Welcome to the Marketing Millennials, the No BS Marketing Podcast. I'm Daniel Murray, and join me for unfiltered conversations with the brains behind marketing's coolest companies. The one request I tell our guests, stories or it didn't happen. Get ready to turn the f*** up. Association marketing is associating yourself with with people or brands that you want to be associated with. Meaning, if someone thinks about this person, maybe they think of you. And when someone thinks about this brand, then maybe they think about you. And they would think about you because you would create content or create, in my case, podcast episodes with these types of people. What's up, Casey? Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me on, Daniel. Appreciate it. I want to start off because you have a cool backstory. Um, how did you get into marketing? Yeah, man. So again, thank you so much for having me on the show today. But really how I got into this whole world of social media, marketing, leading leading to podcasting and SaaS, but marketing specifically was sort of by accident. And, and really what I mean by that is when I was 15 years old, I ended up getting severely injured playing football. I was in a neck brace for six months and I grew up an athlete. So my entire identity growing up was just tied to this idea of being an athlete. And then fast forward, I'm in this neck brace. I I can't really do anything but sit in my bed and spend time watching YouTube videos. I quickly started going down these different rabbit holes of marketing and business and entrepreneurship from following these different YouTubers. And one thing that really caught my attention back then was social media marketing. And I always knew it was powerful growing up as someone that's young and tech savvy, but social media marketing and Facebook advertising and just doing everything in the social world really spoke to me. And that's really how I started first making money online, just doing Facebook advertising for local businesses in my area in Virginia. And that led to much, much more. I want to go into that and because the topic today that I want to talk about is association marketing and you crush at this. Okay. Well, first of all, what is association marketing to you? Because I know you, we just talked about this before and you, it's kind of a new phrase that people don't really know. And then how do you think about executing association marketing? Association marketing is, is sort of this phrase I not only came up with, but I've heard it before in, in passing. But to me, what what it means is associating yourself, and this is in the context of personal branding, associating yourself with, with people or brands that you want to be associated with. Meaning if someone thinks about this person, maybe they think of you. And when someone thinks about this brand, then maybe they think about you. And they would think about you because you would create content or create, in my case, podcast episodes with these types of people. So from an example, right? Like I started my podcast when I was 17 years old. And that was coming fresh out of a year of from being in a neck brace, almost paralyzed, to learning Facebook advertising, to then wanting to go build a personal brand and build an incredible world-class network as someone that was living in Virginia, didn't grow up with any business connections. My family, my mom, dad, brothers, they're not entrepreneurs in, in any sense. So for me, it was like, wow, how can I go build this network? And how can I go associate myself with people that I can learn from, that I can speak to and build a relationship with. And then most importantly, like build relationships for the future where, you know, if I want to go to raise capital or, or start a business to have these people in my circle. So when I started my podcast, it was like, Hey, I'm going to go interview 
world-class individuals. I didn't know how, I didn't know who necessarily. It just started off by reaching out to initially friends of mine that I met on social media that were young, that were starting businesses, that had some cool stuff going on. And I wanted to associate myself with entrepreneurship and business and marketing and just the, the entrepreneurial story. So my interview show was all about that. And you know, fast forward to today, I've had my podcast for almost five years now. It'll be five years this December, 2022. I've done a little over 400 interviews with anyone from Larry King to Rick Ross to Elon Musk's mom and sister and a bunch of great founders. And through those interviews and by associating myself with those types of people, it's done one of three things. One, it's helped me build my brand in the business entrepreneur space. Two, it's allowed me to build an incredible network that I use to then raise capital for my startup media kits, which recently got acquired. And three, just having incredible people in my life that I can learn from and ask questions to and people that I genuinely want to help and be associated with. So again, back to the question of association marketing, if you're out there figuring out like, hey, what do I want to identify with? And that kind of starts maybe with your personal brand. Maybe you want to optimize your personal brand. Maybe you want to optimize your business brand. Like, what type of customer do you want to associate with, right? The same thing in, in the sense of for media kits, right? When we started media kits, we wanted to associate ourselves with creators. So what do we do? We start gifting Twitch subscribers to Twitch creators. And we want to associate our brand and our marketing and our messaging with these specific types of creators because they were they ended up loving the product in this specific niche. So I found it very powerful, especially from the personal branding aspect. And I think that the simple idea of association marketing is associating yourself with people, brands that you want to align with when people think about you or think about the brand itself. Since you started and you started with no connections, how did you start building those connections? Like, How do you reach out to the first person that led to the second person that eventually led to Rick Ross, Larry King? Like, How did it eventually get to that level of per person? For the interview specifically, it really all came down to the simple DM. So when I started the show, I was DMing friends, as I said before, on Instagram. And that led to getting the initial first 25 interviews. And then over time, as I was just taking more swings and sending more DMs to people, I ended up just getting yeses. And it wasn't just like an easy yes. It was a calculated yes, where I think there's a couple ways that I've gone about booking guests on my show. And that's just having a specific angle, right? So for example, when I had Rick Ross on my show, I know he was a huge fan and friend of Robert Greene, who's the author of 48 Laws of Power, The 50th Law, all these incredible books. And Rick Ross was coming out with his book and I ended up DMing Rick Ross, really not expecting any type of response, right? He has 12 million followers on Instagram. And I was like, hey, Rick Ross, uh, you know, my name is Casey Adams. I've had a business podcast for the last five years. Would love to have you on the show. Uh, I just had Robert Green on the show and would love to have you on to talk about your book. All we need is 15 minutes. And I said it like that, maybe in a more condensed way, but I referenced, you know, 15, 20 minutes of your time, like very calculated. I referenced someone that he is not only friends with, but truly advocates for publicly, Robert Green. He loves Robert Green. And I was just very direct with him. And I think that simple approach when reaching out to people, 
is more valuable than you may think because the last thing people want to do is waste time, right? If you if you if you try to DM someone and just say, "Hey, we'd love to connect," and then you're expecting them to get back to you, and then you ask them to be on your show, it's not going to work, not going to happen. It's it's not a good strategy, right? So over time, as I had the initial set of people on my show, it allowed me to figure out like, oh, I had this person on the show. He knows or he follows these people. They're connected. Oh, I see they, they're, they're friends. They make content together. They, they post together. So let me reach out to them because they might know each other. And if I reach out, I can say, hey, I just had your friend blank on the show and doing it sincerely, right? Like I, It was never about like, hey, let me go interview this person so I can get to people that they know, but simply finding the angles of conversation. And, and I think I've done that well in even like a day-to-day interaction where if I see someone walking down the street and I maybe I haven't met them, but I've seen them online and I, I want to go say hello, I'll quickly like look up like, oh, who do they follow on Instagram? Do, I, do we have any mutuals? Oh, we have this person as a friend. Then instead of just walking up to them blindly and introducing myself, I would walk up and introduce myself, reference the friend that we have in common to draw these instant connection points because it completely reshapes the conversation of of who you are, how how you're how you know them, and just creates dialogue in a more genuine way. And I think that that simple idea of like finding the connection points is powerful. And, and I think if you were to ask yourself, anyone listening, or yourself, Daniel, right? It's like if someone reached out to you and said, "Hey, like I'm, I just had your good friend on the show." I personally am more inclined. To maybe like, like for example, JT, a good friend of ours, he was like, Casey, you should be on Daniel's show. I'm like, absolutely, right? Because not only is a sense of vouching for someone, but it's just an instant connection point that just takes away the initial barrier that we may hold when meeting new people, depending on what kind of person you are. So that's sort of my approach and how I have done that since the early days. And it's shifted over time in terms of the approach. Yeah, it's funny because it's also what you do is it's kind of like inception of inception because you associate to get the person on your podcast and then your association with that person has scaled like a lot of your business. So you, you use your technique in one-on-one conversations as well as like as a business approach, which is kind of cool to think about because like it's not only just like I use this for scaling media kits. It's also... I use this to scale my personal network. So it's not something you only could use as a, a business. You can use it as a, to get to the next person, for example. Absolutely. What is a, a marketing hill you would die on? So with MediaKit specifically, we have just over 25,000 creators on our platform and our marketing approach especially in the SaaS world and, and for a company that raised a, a round of funding and you know we were very particular about how we spent capital, we really didn't spend that much, if anything, on paid advertising. A lot of the initial user growth came from organic, organic grassroots strategy. And I, and I think the hill that I would die on, especially from my experience in the last year with growing and building media kits, is just create organic content that stimulates reactions. And that's not necessarily the most clear answer maybe in terms of a marketing sense, but for media kits, as we go back and the question you asked me before as well, it was like, 
how did you go about growing media kits or how did you associate with these brands? We wanted to associate with creators and our marketing hill that we were just climbing and advocating for was like, Hey, let's just, let's go talk to creators. Let's go be up hands on the ground. I, as a founder was spending at one time hours a day on Twitter, DMing creators, publicly tweeting towards them, responding to everybody and anybody that was tweeting the word media kit or press kit or EPK or digital resume or pitching a brand way you can just search that on Twitter. And it was all organic and very hands-on because I wanted to learn what the users were doing, how they were talking about this problem, what problems they were having. And then if a user signed up, I wanted to hear what their feedback was. And And it kind of created this organic public dialogue that I believe is so impactful from an organic marketing perspective. And you know, we had some serious growth from different organic Twitter giveaways, as I said before, with, with things like Twitch and gifting subs to different Twitch creators. So the hill I would die on is just organic growth because the, the simple and most powerful way to truly market, in my opinion, your product is word of mouth, right? Like for media kids, we've had so many creators come to us in, a, in the DM over an email, say, hey, my friend blank told me about media kids. I signed up and I love it so much and I've recommended it to 10 friends. And just seeing that over time, not only has, has that confirmed our thought process about organic in the sense of how we think about media kids, but just in terms of our product and it being a very, you know, creator friendly tool that's meant to be shared. So we've tried to live and breathe and, you know, die on that hill in terms of organic word of mouth and utilizing our tool because it's meant to be organically shared with a brand or another creator or whoever you're looking to share your, you know, real time data with. I love how you framing this, but it's a lot of companies don't, see creators as brands themselves and like the way you have framed a lot of this is you have put yourself in front of brands but brands could mean company but also brand like creators are brands so partnering with people in who have an audience and they inherently businesses themselves was a great way for you to grow but a lot of people don't think of oh i need a partner with a creator as a, a, a an entity they think of like, I need to go to a business to do that. So I love that phrasing of it. And I don't know if you intentionally do that, but I think it, you are intentionally doing it because you work with creators and you've created media kits, which most of your customers are creators. Um, so, yeah, so absolutely. I, I, just, I love that phrasing. One thing I wanted to go also is since you're in this, you've been in this creator space, what are um, some trends that you are seeing in the space that people should jump on right now? I've been super hands-on in the space for you know five years now and, and more more close with it over the last year and a half now, almost two because of media kits in terms of like my daily interactions with creators. Some of the things that seem obvious are the are the things that you need to strike on. For example, we all see what's happening with YouTube shorts, Instagram reels, obviously TikTok and the short form content that's just so not easy to go viral, but that's what these platforms are incentivizing creators with. So my simple advice is if you want to grow, you want to go build an audience, like triple down on short form content across YouTube shorts, Instagram reels, 
and TikTok, obviously, that they kind of reinvented what it means to create for short form content at scale. And I think that's number one. And I don't say this as someone that has it all figured out in any sense, right? Like I believe with my personal brand, I could be pumping out way more content. And I've gone through ebbs and flows of putting all effort into putting out content and then being more reserved and just doing more long form podcast style content. But I think that's number one is like sometimes the obvious things that it's like, oh, is that really the answer? Like short form content? Like sometimes the obvious things are truly the obvious for a reason. And you see all this attention towards it. Therefore, like strike when it's hot. On the flip side, I recently interviewed John Shahidi, the, the president of Full Send. And, you know, he's he runs Nelk Boys, Happy Dad, Hard Seltzer, and then obviously Full, Full Send, the brand. And seeing not only what they've done with social, they've have monetized it in such an incredible way. They've built such an incredible community. And one conversation I was having with him during the podcast that sparked my attention as a podcaster is, you know, I asked him, what's your future of the creator economy? And it's really two things. One is creators, if they aren't already doing this, must do this if they really want to succeed long-term. And that is you need to create some sort of product that you own, right? Like there's a lot of creators like Logan Paul, they could have easily went and partnered with Gatorade or Powerade or whatever other sports drink and gotten a massive check, big deal from them. But no, they went another direction. They launched their own brand, Prime. They're absolutely crushing it. They own the company. They're building it out. And that is going to bring them so much upside. Same thing with Full Send and, and Happy Dad, right? These these guys, Nelk Boys, they were known for their wild videos. They're, they're drinking all the time. Instead of going and promoting a alcohol brand, maybe they launched their own. And of course we all know this, this is very simple in terms of like, wow, there's a lot, there's a lot of value there, but his advice and and thesis about the creator economy moving forward is if these creators really want to not only monetize, but build a great community, you know, build wealth, you have to be thinking about that in, in a large scale. And so that's number one. And then number two is I talked, I asked him about podcasting and he said, I see a world where every creator must have a podcast or, you know, they will have a podcast the same way that all of the, you know, the big companies were slow to get on to, to social media and the big celebrities were slow to get on to social media. Same thing he believes was will happen in podcasting where it's just another medium that's continuing to grow, the discoverability, the opportunity, the audience. And he's like, it's 2022. Maybe a lot of people think the ship has sailed and all the podcasts or the ones that are out are just taking over the charts. And yes, it's, there's a lot of competition, but I, I think truthfully, you know, I've almost had my podcast for five years, but I think the medium will continue to grow and that a lot of creators should, if they don't already launch a podcast, because it's just such a unique medium that you can build a deep, passionate community, whether that's 500 people listening per episode or 5,000 or 50,000 or 500,000 or millions, whatever it may be. Just having that medium and making it a standardized platform that everyone has across the board isn't the norm yet, but you obviously see a shift in a continuous growth happening in the space of podcasting. So I think those are two things that I see that not only did he reconfirm for me, but it's just very clear that those two things will become more and more important as time goes on. Podcasting is a great way to create pillar content that provides those short form clips like you do on your 
TikTok and your IG and stuff like that, where you could take a 45 minute episode, cut it up into all these platforms, short form and distribute it instead of having to do 45 different clips, yeah. standalone clips by yourself. Um, so yep. that's why I also think it's a very good platform to start on if you want to create for multiple platforms at scale. Absolutely. You started your journey podcasting very young and then also like started media kids really young. But I wonder for like people who are starting out their careers young or like have that imposter syndrome of like, I'm too young to start this. Like, what would you tell them starting out? Because you obviously seen so success from doing your podcast and starting a company so young. I, I've just wondered what you would tell people. I've always embodied and really owned this young entrepreneur spirit. And, you know, I'm 22 now and I started all of this, like, these efforts. I was 15, 16 years old and I always looked at it as an advantage. And I don't know if it was because, you know, I had some delusion, right? But I think that any young person, and young guys in like younger than me in this context of like someone that I can hopefully give some light and guidance and, and lessons to, you have to understand that this age and this opportunity, in my opinion, is is so is so special, right? Like even the short three years from 18 to 21, so much growth and lessons have happened in my life because th this is a time frame what I have experienced where older people that have been through it, especially in the business world, they want to help someone that's young, that's just getting in the game, that has curiosity and intention to do good and to build something incredible. So, you know, a lot of the interviews I initially got, it's people, I remember having some people on the show and they're like, wow, you're so young, you're doing this, that's so exciting. Of course I'd come on the show. And I think that instead of looking at it as a potential, like, oh, am I good enough? Can I do this? Am I too young? Just, you need to flip the script and say, I am young, therefore I have this as, as an advantage because it's maybe more polarizing or just a different perspective. And, and most importantly, all of the trends that you see on social and really in, in many areas of life start from the youth from new tech, from new ideas, from like culture, whatever it may be. And I think that you just have to embody that, right? Because I remember, you know, when when I was first getting on social media, it's like, we're all on it, we're loving it, it's cool. And now all these big brands stepped in, but they, they followed the, the, the youth movement, whether that's 18 or 25 or 30, whatever it may be. But just using your youth as an advantage to, to really emphasize the point is super important. And that comes with, wanting to to go out to get after it I, I remember being 16 17 years old and you know for me it was like hey i just want to get out there go meet people uh build a network and for me i looked at it as such an advantage because i knew that the people i meet when i was 16 17 18 years old would remember that interaction when you know when and if we're still friends 21 25 30 to say wow i met you when you were 16 17 you've grown so much and if you allow someone to meet you at an earlier stage in life, there's years and years of growth to be had within that relationship. So for me, it was always about like, I have to really maximize these years, build a great network, meet a lot of people so that not only I can grow with them, but I can have this foundation that I can learn from. And I think if you're obsessed with learning, you're curious about other people and, and other ideas, and you figure out in your own way how to 
release that sense of I'm not good enough or I'm too young. All that is a, is a limiting belief. All that is is a sense of fear, in my opinion. And you just have to, through actions and, and through putting yourself out there, overcome that fear. You know, the, the same way where if I ask someone that's never done a Instagram story to go on their phone, to look at the camera and record something, they're going to feel like, oh, I'm not good enough. I've never done this before. How do I do this? They're going to feel like insecure talking on video, the whole thing. I think that's a natural part of doing something new and wanting to progress is you're going to have this phase of thinking like, oh, I'm not good enough. But that's the beauty of it because that's the starting point. And if you look at that as a the opportunity to progress and to get better, I think that's how I would look at it and, and how I have you know used it to my advantage from a young age. I also think what you've done is probably like you you might be the age of 22, but the experience that you've gained from 17 to 22 has probably put you in the same bucket as a lot of people that are 33, 35, like 40, because you've learned so much by doing a podcast, meeting all these people, starting a company. So I think like also just like the experience it's because a lot of people at your age would say i go to college and like wait for some that's good and some people that it's a waste of a lot of time but you capitalized on that time to just grow yourself through your network, yeah, absolutely through your social and stuff like that so do you have a podcast and you started a company what are some advice do you give would you give to someone who wants to start a podcast today or wants to start their own company you know there's two different avenues to look at this right because I, I think a podcast it can be a company right because initially right like i didn't get into podcasting to make a bunch of money i wanted to have great conversations build a network meet great people build my brand and that's allowed me to have more success when starting a tech startup and raising capital but when it comes to starting the podcast, I think nowadays it's not only so simple, but the track record of success and being able to follow people that are doing it or currently tweeting about starting a podcast is more abundant than ever. So, I mean, sit with a, you know, for the sake of time and to keep it simple, you know, we're using a platform right now, Riverside, which I use for my show, which I love. I, I spoke to the team early on and just seeing what they've created and, and really how far they've come has been incredible. But Riverside.fm is a great place to record all of your video interviews if that's the type of show that you are wanting to record and create. So that's one thing in terms of like the logistics. Anchor.fm is where I used to host all of my podcast content where you upload it, where you write the title, the description, you upload the, the audio or the video, upload it to Spotify and all the other platforms. So that's distribution. So you got two of those buckets checked off. The third thing is just understanding, okay, you know, what is my show concept? What is the title of my show? Uh, you know, what is it going to be about? Why am I doing it? Answering all those questions yourself and getting really clear on those, I think is the important part because that really is what separates you and, and, you know, allows you to have an identity around your show. So really put some thought into what do you want to call it? What does it cover? What does it mean to you? Like, who are you talking to? What are you talking about? And then just click go. And what I mean by that is don't overthink it. I think that the initial episodes of a podcast are are so impactful because a lot of the times people overthink it. And if you overthink it, then you end up not being consistent with it because it becomes this like heavy lift rather than just something fun and enjoyable where I don't know the exact number, but I believe it's like 
95% of podcasters or 90% of podcasters stop after episode eight or 10 or something very, very small. And it makes sense because maybe someone has excitement, they launch a show, they put out a couple episodes and they stop and they never do it again. So I think that outside of the three things I listed, just to wrap it all together is just get all those boxes checked, figure out your strategy, your, your show name, and just put out content and then be consistent with it because the podcasting space, you know, for me, it's not about having the biggest show or getting necessarily the most downloads. For my purpose with the show is to meet great people, to have awesome conversations and to learn something new while also building a brand and, and impacting the people that are listening. But most importantly, it's it's for myself and my curiosity in others. So figure out what that is for you and just get started. And I think on the business front of media kits, you know, I, I'm no expert in any sense in terms of like, hey, listen to all this and, and do this. But from my experience, you know, we launched media kits back in 2021, that's when the actual product went live. We had a big launch party in LA. We had Khalifa come out and performed over 600 creators at this party. And that's the day we launched. But prior to that, that is where a lot of this initial learning went into place when it comes to first ideating the idea over the years, which initially was an idea that my co-founder and I put on the back burner. We circled back to it in mid-2020 after really seeing this eruption of the creator economy through through TikTok and all these creators being, you know, minted overnight, we like to say. And initially we hired a design agency to start making, figuring out what the product would look like, what the user flows would be based off recommendations and what we thought was the right thing to do. Fast forward to early 2021, we were really taking it seriously. We went out to go raise a family and friends round of funding. And our goal was to raise a million dollars. We ended up raising 1.5 million. But to really dissect that, I had no experience raising capital in any sense. What vehicle, how to do it, who do you talk to, what are the emails, like how do you collect the money, all the little things that you know you can maybe Google and find out, but when you're actually doing it, you learn very quickly. And it wouldn't, truthfully, in my opinion, have been possible without a handful of key mentors in our life, in my life, and just in our corner. One of them is a guy named Aristotle Loomis. He's an incredible entrepreneur, founder, someone that I look at as a brother. And he has been such a backbone in not only the early fundraising process, but fundraising to acquisition within the 12 months that we did that. And I think that if you're someone out there that's starting a company, it's okay not to know everything, right? Like you have to expect you're not going to know what to do or how to do things. And you're going to learn so much so quickly, especially if you're you know, getting into this journey today, there's literally an abundance of uh, of learning ahead. But if you want to cut that down and have, you know, time to your advantage, ask people in your life or people that you have access to questions and really find mentors that can help you expedite the process, whether that's from legal to f- to the fundraising aspect, to the marketing aspect, to the product, to the hiring, whatever it may be. We had so many people helping us along the way from advisors and investors. But you know, fundamentally, like I said about the podcast, do I believe timing in terms of a, a product like Media Kits is important? Yes. But I've always had the mindset of just get started, whether that's a podcast, whether that's a live event that I wanted to host, whether that's 
you know, starting media kits, whether that's fundraising, you know, there's never going to be a perfect time ever, especially right now, right? Like the capital markets are very unique and different and drying up right now in terms of 20 versus 2021 in terms of raising capital. But the reality is it's never going to be a perfect time and just get started and start learning as quickly as possible instead of sitting on an idea and just marinating on it because execution trumps all. And that really comes down to the entrepreneur and, and why you're doing it in terms of that discipline to just do it, even if you know, you're having these internal thoughts of, like, oh, what if this doesn't work? What if that fails? You just have to push through that and, and have people that you can actually build with that are on the same team as you that you know are along for the ride. Two things that I, I mean, I really think that are big from the conversations that I got from you is just one, the podcast obviously set you up for a lot of this because one, the consistency of you just posting every, like posting a podcast for 400 episodes is just a hard feat for any person to do. <laughs> and then two, the, that how much the relationships you build have, have one created a brand for you, but also have created like this association of how, how much people respect you as a person and also respect you as a brand because some you've connected to all these people. So I think like that is for anybody, I just wanted to wrap it up just because in what I seen from this, which I, which I love is like, cause you just like simple, it just simplifies like a lot of the things are just hard work, but it, it's, and it's very simple, but you just have to be able to put in the, that effort that you're doing every single day. So absolutely. I want to give you the last minute or two to say where people could find you and where people could find things that you're working on right now. The best place to follow me is Instagram. It's just at Casey. And then I'm also spending a lot of time on Twitter recently. So just that's at Casey Adams. So those are the two best places to find me. And of course, the podcast is just the Casey Adams show. And then Media Kits, the company is mediakits.com. And then, you know, just to wrap up on this too, I think that I'm going through this really exciting phase where we just got acquired uh, this company, Viral Nation, a big marketing tech company up in Toronto. So like working inside of there with our entire team has been super exciting. So definitely check out Viral Nation. They're awesome. And yeah, if you have any questions or you want to ask anything else that we didn't cover on the show, definitely just shoot me a DM on Instagram. I try to be super active in there. Cool. Thank you so much for joining. This has been awesome. And definitely go check out his content and his podcast. He's crushing on there. And thank you so much. Thank you so much, Daniel. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the Marketing Millennials podcast and giving it a five-star rating. It helps bring more marketers into our community.